this this thing you're playing. It's like a piece of wood. Can I see it? Can you unplug that and let me look at that thing? Is it muted? Well, I won't mute it. Yes, mute it. Look at this. Isn't this the coolest thing? It's it's just a it's called a Bigfoot, and he stomps on it. Isn't that cool? I think I ordered a cedar plank salmon one time, and it came out on something like that. Josh, that's awesome. Make sure you plug that back up for the 11 o'clock service. Well, I'm excited about all the stuff we have coming up. It's a fun, 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 fun season. Um, I want to remind you that next week, we will not be meeting here. We will not have service right here. Uh, we're, we're having our family day. We did this uh, during the holiday season, and man, folks just loved it. I loved it. We got great reports from people that enjoyed this time with their family. And so we're going to provide for you a service online. So you'll be able to go to thehillsnashville.com, and there will be a, a tab there you can click for what we're calling our family day. And we're encouraging you to spend July the 4th weekend with your family, with your friends, and while you're having a blast, take some time aside. And it's about a 30-minute service that we're going to provide. We're going to have worship, and I've got a word. I'm going to be teaching on freedom that day. And so I encourage you to gather around the computer, gather around the TV, turn it up really loud, and we'll do some worship together. And then there will be some discussion if you'd like to do that at the end, spend some time discussing with your family and friends. And so we're really excited about this. We're kind of seeing it as a sabbatical, take a little time, be with family and be with friends and, and celebrate freedom. All right? So if you come here next Sunday, you may be the only one, all right? And if you've invited people, you may want to let them know, oh, by the way, you know you said you're going to come to church one day? Don't do it on that day, okay? Because we did have some folks that Chris and I invited last year, and uh, they showed up. Yeah, they showed up. And there was a big sign here that says, hi, we ain't here. (laughs) And it wasn't the rapture. We just took the Sunday to go be... We are uh, in the middle of a, of a teaching theme for the summer called Essentials. How many have enjoyed this message theme? It's been good? I got reports. Man, I mean, a lot of people uh, emailing and texting last week. Uh, some people that were traveling on the road that listened this week to our message uh, last week uh, on trust. And man, I'll tell you what, I've learned this. Before he lets me preach it, he makes me live it. And sometimes after I preach it, he makes me live it, you know? And so it's just been some of those weeks where you have to continually put your trust in, lean in a little bit more. We have uh, been talking about the things that you need to make sure you have packed as you begin this journey toward abundant life, which is the life that Jesus Christ wants for you. He wants you to live the best life that you can. And there's some things that we need to have packed in our luggage as we make our, our, our journey toward this, we've talked about having a love for God. We've talked about the peace of God. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about trust. And today, I want to add one more, another thing into that piece of luggage that I think is going to help you on the journey. Everybody say joy. joy. How many could use some more joy in your life? Few people. I'm going to say it again. How many could use some more joy in your life? John chapter 15 and verse number 10. This is Jesus speaking. And he says this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. 
just as I have kept my father's commands and I remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We'll read that verse 11 again. I have told you this so that my joy, everybody say my joy, or say this to me real loud, I want you to say Jesus joy. Now, I asked you a moment ago, how many need more joy? How many would like to have some Jesus joy in your life? So Jesus said, I've told you all this so that my joy, what I have in me, can be in you and that the joy that you have will be a complete joy. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down and underline it. If you're not taking notes, I want you to figure out a way because I want to establish this. In my notes, I've got it highlighted in yellow with a little pink. And then I underline it with Sharpie. And then i got about 16 exclamation points. And it's double the font size as everything else, okay? So it's in here, and I want you to do that same thing. I want you to write this down. Jesus wants me to have joy. That may be the... <laughs> That may be the whole sermon right there. I want you to understand that. Jesus wants you to have joy. Now, this week, I saw about five of you as I was preparing for this message. A a mentor of mine taught me years ago the way that you keep your ministry fresh, the way you can preach, and I've been doing this for almost 30 years now, that way you keep it fresh is when you prepare for a message, you think of one person that you know needs what you're going to be saying. And most of the time, there's a whole bunch of them. But this week, I saw about five of you. You popped up in my head, and I began to pray for you this week. And I believe it today, and when you leave this building, you're going to have more joy in your heart than you have ever had in your life. Or at least you're going to understand that he wants you to have more joy in your heart than you've ever had in your life. Just look at your neighbor and say, I think he's preaching to you. And then say, or maybe me. The theme of joy is all through the Bible. Listen to this. The words joyful, joyous, and joyfulness and rejoice appear in the Bible over 500 times. Joy, joyous, joyful. And that's only in one translation. I looked up, I forget which translation I looked it up in. That In that one translation, over 500 times, joy, joyous, joyfulness, rejoicing appears. And that's because God is a God of joy. I want us to change that thought process of of God is this, he's mm, stern and everything is this way. It's not that way. Zephaniah is one of my, I love the scripture. Zephaniah 317 says this, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. Man, the Lord is pulling for somebody today. I've been doing this long enough to know that when I can't get through a message without crying, God's pulling for someone today. Look at your neighbors and say, God's pulling for you. And he's pulling for you. He's pulling for you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to win. He's interceding for you today. Somebody right here today. 
For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. That's how God thinks about you. He delights in you. He's glad about it. And then he says this, with his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That means God isn't just happy with you. He, may, he writes songs about you. He sings about you. That word rejoice in the original passage, leave it right up there for me, Evan. That word rejoice means this, to spin about under a violent emotion. That means not only does God sing over you, he dances over you. That's the kind of joy that God has. It's a fruit of his spirit, right? It's a fruit of his spirit. God doesn't have to work on having joy. It's a part of his nature, just like love. Joy is a part of God's nature. It is who he is. It is what he does. Jesus was full of joy. I know, I know we write all the, they, they paint pictures of Jesus and it's always gaunt and stern. And, and the Bible talks about him being a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Well, that's only because he had to get acquainted with grief and he had to bear our sorrow on him. He didn't live 33 years with just sorrow and grief and upset all the time. You know how I know this? First of all, he was at parties every time you turned around. <laughs> Nobody invites a grump to a party, right? I don't care if you can raise the dead. You are grumpy. You are not invited to our party. Oh, Jesus was always invited to parties. And they really liked him at parties because he brought out the best wine when he showed up. That was water. I'm sure it was water. No, it's wine now. The best wine. That's how Jesus does things. I'm going to give you another example. Children loved Jesus. You ever notice how kids will tell you things that we as adults would never say out loud? You ever notice that if a weird person walks up to your child, you're standing in the line at a restaurant, and a weird person walks up and goes, Hello, little sweetie. What does your baby do? Right? Or a grumpy person? Kids just go, "Uh uh-uh. No, 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 not us. <laughs> don't do that, little baby. Like, we're going to hurt this person's feeling who's absolutely crazy, okay? Don't worry about hurting their feelings. Your baby knows it. You know it. The baby's just being honest about it. <laughs> Babies don't hang out with mean, grumpy people. And the Bible says after Jesus had done ministry, and I don't know if you understand this, but when you do ministry or let's just think about your job, when you're working hard and you come home, you know, you're tired and you can be a little grumpy, Right? I'll tell you, some Sunday afternoons, I can be a little grumpy because I'm, you know, preaching and doing this thing that we do. And, but Jesus, after being exhausted, here comes the kids. They start climbing all over him. And the disciple says, get these kids away from him. He's tired. The minister's tired. And Jesus said, y'all be quiet. Let them babies come. Babies love being with Jesus. That tells me he was a man of joy. In fact, he said in our text, John 15 11, he said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Read the book of Revelations with this mindset. Most of the time, we read the book of Revelations just like we view God and just like we view Jesus. Like, it's just, everybody's going to die. That's it. It's just going to die. There's going to be brimstone and fire and water turning to blood. That's the way things are. Everybody's going to die. 
Look at Revelations through the concept of joy, and you find every time you turn around, somebody's rejoicing. Why? Because heaven is a place of joy. But I want to say to you, this song we wrote, sang a moment ago, I'll Fly Away, the old-timers used to sing those songs because they didn't have any joy. They were beat down. Religion had beat them down. Life had beat them down. It was tough, and so they had to sing about the joy that they're going to have in heaven. But I want to tell you today that we are supposed to be walking in joy right here, right now. Romans 14 and 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what the Christian life is summed up of, write those four things down. Joy, peace, and goodness in the Holy Spirit. That is the whole Christian life summed up. To be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led folks that are having lives of goodness, having lives of peace, and having lives of joy. Joy is supposed to be an evident sign of the Christian life. I'm going to say that again. Because that's one, of those, that's one of those phrases that can get lost in the whole message. And it may be one of the most important parts of the message. Joy is supposed to be an evident sign of the Christian life. Not one that people have to look for in your life. We're supposed to be known for this, the joy. Matter of fact, the apostle Peter said that it is a glorious and inexpressible joy. He said it's supposed to be so much joy in our life that it's glorious. And we're so happy about it, so joyful, we can't even express. You ever been so happy and joyful about something you can't have no words to say? That's what the Apostle Peter was saying. That's the kind of life that we're supposed to be living. I want you to stop. I want you to examine your life right now. I want you to think about your life right now. Do you have to look for joy in your life? Do people have to do research to find a little glimpse of joy? What's the first thing people see when they see you? Is it, really? Is it, man, I got so much going. Is it complaining? Is it, am I speaking to anybody besides me right now? What do your coworkers see in you? What do your children see in you? What does your spouse see in you? Now, I want you to understand, this is not a guilt trip thing. I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip. It's about us having an understanding that this is one of the essentials to living an abundant life. You can love God. You can have peace in your heart. You can trust God. But if you don't have joy in your life, you're missing out on what God has for you. Can I hear an amen on that one this morning? You're supposed to be known for joy. The believers are supposed to be known for this. Amen. What are we known for now? We're known for what we stand against. I don't know what it is, but I'm against it. I'm against it. If you're fair it, I'm against it. I'm going to tell you right now. Well, you don't even know where I stand. I don't care. I don't like your kind. I'm against it. Give me a sign. I'm going to hold it up, march around something, and tell somebody I'm against it. 
We're known for our sternness. We're known for our rules and our regulations. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to see people fall in love with Jesus and want to have a relationship with Jesus, just let a little bit more joy come in your life. I want to help you today. I want to help us today. He doesn't just want us to get to heaven and find all the joy. He wants us to have joy during the journey. Well, that's a good one right there. Joy during the journey. How many of y'all are excited about some place you're going this summer? Raise your hand. I know our family's going on vacation during this little break. And man, I'm excited. I cannot wait. I'm already looking forward to it. I cannot wait to get there. I'm excited about just chilling out, relaxing. Just, I, man, I cannot wait. How many feeling that? You got something like that you're looking forward to? But how many of you know that sometimes the trip to getting there can almost taint the time you get there? Can I hear an amen from somebody this morning? Anybody ever lost your joy somewhere along the journey? Some of y'all are like, yep, the journey to church this morning. I lost my joy. I mean, you can be all excited about it. You can say, all right, here we go. Things are going to be great. We're all ready to go. And just packing the car, you can lose your joy. Get on the highway. Here we go. And then hit that Atlanta traffic, right? And lose your joy and curse the city of Atlanta because of it. Or Memphis, wherever you get hung up. I hate this city. Just lose your joy. Some of y'all lose your joy with your kids, right? Oh, y'all got quiet on that one, didn't you? I don't know about y'all, but y'all ever grow up with switches? Anybody grew up getting switched? Raise your hand. I know we ain't supposed to do that anymore, but my daddy, they use switches on us. You know, this little, little branch like this, you know? The worst thing, he said, go pick your own switch. Ooh. Now, if I was picking one for my brother or sister, I'd pick a long one. One for me, a little bitty one with lots of leaves on it. Cut down on the drag, the drag, you know. <laughs> one of our favorite stories is I, we were riding down the road. I see Dad's out in the lobby today doing safety. Hi, Dad. I see you out there. Uh, and I, we, were riding, we were riding down the road, and I was acting up in the back seat, which I, was very rare for me, I'm sure. Acting up, and Dad, Dad got on him about four or five times. He said, son, you do it again, I'm going to get the switch out. I kept a switch in the car. Who does that kind of thing? He said, that's it, that's it. And he's driving, got that switch back. He said, I told you not to. On enunciating, you know what I'm talking about? Didn't I tell you not to? And I'm going, no, Daddy, no, 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 Daddy, no. Mama turns around and looks back, and I'm holding up a pillow. My daddy's wearing that pillow out. Mom laughs. Finally, luckily, thankfully, dad started laughing. My dad lost his joy on the journey. And I was the reason. We lose our joy on the journey. I'm going to tell you how, because it's going to help you now. You ready? Because we all lose it. Here's why we lose it. Because we get focused on the wrong things. We get focused on this thing that's going on right here, and we just lose it. So I want to help you in the next few minutes. I want to help you find your joy today. I'm going to give you a few things. Number one, how do I find my joy? You ready for it? On the way to, serve, on the way to uh, church this morning, Evan was driving me today. And what you preaching about, Daddy? And I started telling him about, about losing our joy. <laughs> I love Evan. He's all just black and white. He said, well, how do we find it? Like, 
Okay, I get the part about losing it. Would you tell me how to find it? So, Evan, I'm going to help you out today, baby. This is how we find our joy. Y'all going to love this one. Come on, get ready. Write it down. Number one, we find our joy in tough times. I hate to break it to you, but that's where we find our joy. I knew it was in the scriptures, and so I, I looked through the scriptures to find some, some scriptures that would really highlight this and that would, that would tie into this theme of we find our joy in tough times. I'm going to tell you right now, I found more than I wanted to. I found one or two of them, and I'm like, okay, that's good, and I just kept going. It's all through the scripture. And I was like, okay, Lord, that's enough. I get it. We know. Tough times is there. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. How many of you rejoice when you run into problems and trials? Oh. How do you rejoice? For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. I don't know why everything that builds character got to be so nasty. (laughs) And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. We find joy. We can rejoice when we run into tough times. How many agree? How many know that's true? But how many still don't like it? And how many would like for me to help you find your joy in the tough time? You know how you find it? Two ways. First of all, you look ahead. When you face a tough time, a trial, a tribulation, a tragedy, a problem, the way you find joy, first of all, is you look ahead and you know that this tough time has a purpose. Endurance, character. Hebrews 12 and 2 says that we look at Jesus as our example and it says this, Jesus did this because of the joy awaiting him. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. How did Jesus have joy in the middle of tribulation? He looked ahead and he said, I know what I'm walking through is tough now, but it's going to be worth it when I get over there. How do we make it through those tough times? You look ahead and you say, there has to be a purpose for this. There is a reason for what I am walking through. The old timer says, weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. And you've been weeping through the night? How do I make it? By looking ahead and say, it's tough now, but the glory's coming. There is glory coming. There is strength coming. There is laughter coming. There is joy that is coming. In our text, Jesus said, I want to give you my joy. I want to give it to you. I want to remind you, it's God's will for us to have joy. But then he goes on and says something else. And I want your joy to be complete. What does that mean, complete? The word complete joy means overflow. Full of joy. Or joy full. Or another translation is grown-up joy. Mature joy. Now listen to me. This is how you make it through tough times. 
is you understand that God is allowing something to happen to help you grow up. Yes, you got a little bit of faith. He wants your faith to grow more. Yes, you can move a mountain with just a mustard seed, but man, what could you do if you let that faith grow up? You got peace? How about if your peace grew up? What about your joy? You got joy? What if your joy grew up? Look at this, James chapter 1 and verse 2. Consider it pure joy. Pure joy? What is that? That's unadulterated, 100% grown-up joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be and not lacking anything. Could it be that the reason we have not received everything that we want is because even though we're heirs of all God's promises... We have not grown up enough to receive them. Because every time we get in a tough time, we fuss and complain and groan and try to find someone to blame on. Instead, James says the same thing that the Apostle Paul says, the same thing that the Apostle Peter says, the same thing that Jesus said, let your joy grow up. How do you know your joy is growing up? When you can be in the middle of a tough time and be smiling. Are you happy? No, I ain't happy. (laughs) Happy is based on circumstances. This is joy. Joy is an actual, when you look up the word joy in the original Greek, it means a state of. Just I'm in a state of joy. I'm walking in a state of joy. Right now you look like you're in a state of mess. Yeah. But in the middle of my state of mess, I am in a state of joy. Mature joy is not dependent on circumstances. Matter of fact, pure joy looks even better in bad circumstances. Happiness fades as soon as the bad stuff shows up. Joy is highlighted whenever the bad stuff shows up. If you ever want to do a good study, read the book of Philippians. And it's actually, uh, one writer says the whole theme of Philippians is joy. It's, I think, 16, 18 times that the word joy is listed in the book of Philippians. Guess where Paul wrote Philippians? Not just in a prison, in the cellar of a prison. Like, how do you get underneath the jail? That's where he wrote this letter How do you do that? Because Paul understood what it meant to have grown-up, mature joy. So one way you make it through tough times is you look ahead and you say, God is letting something happen in my life right now so that I can get over there and it's going to be better. Another way you make it through tough times and find joy is not just look ahead, but look back. Has he ever brought you through anything before? Come on, has he ever brought you through anything before? And I know what you're saying, yeah, but nothing like this. But I can promise you, you can find somebody else that he's brought them through. So when you're in the middle of that time, go to Hebrews 11 and just start reading through that. He brought them through it. He'll bring you through it as well. So we find joy in our tough times. The second way we find joy is in our blessings. How many get joy when you're blessed? Two people. Gwen was one of them. Maybe it was just Gwen. I don't know. How many of you get joy when you're blessed? Don't you? Then why aren't we walking in joy right now? 
because you don't feel blessed right now. That's why. We think that that coming is going to be, no, look what the Bible says in Psalms 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, diseases and redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The reason we don't walk in joy is because we don't see right now as a blessing. Just start looking around. Look around you right now at all of the blessings. The old song says, name your blessings, count them one by one. If we started making a list of the blessings, maybe that's what needs to happen. On those days that you feel down and you have despair and battling with depression, I want to encourage you, just start making a list of all the blessings in your life. Am I breathing? Am I eating? You know, the things that bring the most joy are the things that God tells us brings us joy. Family, friends, good food. Come on, the house of God, the blessings of God. Make a list. Number three, how do I find joy? We find joy in our salvation. Well, you talk about a blessing. Maybe you've never read this story. I would encourage you to read the story of David when he committed adultery with a lady named Bathsheba. Now, now committing adultery is a bad thing, especially when you're king of Israel, when you're the apple of God's eye. I mean, David's the chosen boy, you know what I mean? It just exacerbates it. It makes it worse. Then you really look at this story and how it happened. David, instead of being on the battlefield, was at home. Out of his context, what he, how he's supposed to be living, and he sees this lady, and he goes, ooh, I want her. I'm the king. I will take her. Takes her, has an affair with her. She becomes pregnant, and so to hide it, he brings her husband back from the battlefield so he can spend the night with her, a night or two, to cover it up. Then he sends this guy back to the front line so he'll be killed. Y'all, that's bad stuff. You talk about a cover-up, that's a cover-up, right? And Nathan the prophet comes and points his bony finger at David and says, you've sinned. And because David had a heart after God, instead of smiting that prophet like he did Bathsheba's husband, he fell to his face, repented of his sins. And you find his repentant psalm written in Psalms 51 and I love Psalms 51 where he said, God, please don't take your spirit from me. But something stood out to me, Psalms 51 and 12. Listen what David says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Everybody look at me. Remember a moment ago I said we lose our joy when we focus on the wrong things? David got in trouble when he began to focus on something he wanted instead of focusing on something he already had. Instead of thinking that if I could just spend the night with that lady, that would bring me such happiness. Instead of that, he should have been focusing on the fact God has saved me. That is the joy and the only joy that I need. The joy 
of our salvation. Have you lost it? Remember when you got it? Remember the first time when he saved you, you gave your heart, that thing that came up in you? Have you lost it? Get it back. Pray for it. Lord, restore to me the joy of that salvation again. Let me say something to you today. If nothing good ever happens in our life again, the fact that we have been saved should be enough. Let me take it another level. If not only nothing good happens, but if the rest of your life is filled with trials and tribulation and persecution and tragedy, salvation should be sufficient enough for us to have joy in our life. On those days it gets tough. On those times that things are rough, that's where you need to stop and go, wait a minute, I know you save my soul. That's it. Just that simple. And then let the, let the knowledge of that begin to creep up into your head and begin to fill your heart. And I promise you the joy of the Lord is going to begin to be a part of who you are. Number four, we find joy in obeying God. Our text, John 15 and 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy will be complete. How do I find joy? In his word, in his commands. How does he command? Now, I know sometimes it's hard. You look like the disciples say, that's a hard saying. I don't think I like that one, Lord. But remember this, God's commands are for us, not for him. The reason God places things and put things in his word is because he wants you and I to have the best life that we can have. And even when it goes against what you like and goes against what you feel, if you and I can line up with the word of God and obey his commands, you're going to find the greatest joy. Giving is against what we want to do as human beings, right? Being servants is against what we want to do be as human beings it goes against it but the scriptures tells us clearly the greatest joy you can find is in giving and in loving and in serving and lastly we find joy in his presence psalm 16 and 11 you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore In your presence is fullness of joy, mature joy, overflowing joy, great joy. Kristen says this many, I've heard her say this many times. It's amazing how much time we can spend looking for stuff out here when it's all found right there in his presence. Jesus wants to give you joy. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to be full of joy. Number one, for you. That's first off, just for you to have joy. But secondly, what a witness and what an example to other people. Who wants to serve a God that makes you look like that? You're angry all the time. And look at me. Don't, I don't want to hear this. Well, that's just my personality. No, that is a cop-out. That's a cop-out. You don't have, again, you don't have to be like me. Don't be loud and crazy and all that. You don't have to be like me. Just the joy in you. The joy coming up. Some of you battle with clinical depression. And I hear you right now. I hear you in your head going, well, it's a, 
It's a physical thing for me. It's a physical. Look, I'm, gonna t- I'm one. I battle with it. Never thought I'd ever battle with depression. Some of you know this story. But for a year, didn't want to get out of my pajamas. If it wouldn't have been for my wife and for my boys and for the Lord, I don't know what I'd have done. And thankfully, one of our board members was a physician and diagnosed me and said, you're in full-blown depression. And thank God for them helping me and Jesus coming alongside and helping me. But I finally realized things shifted for me when I stopped giving in to that thing. Because it would feel good to me sometimes. That thing, that depression, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just come on. I'm going to just, I'm going to cave into that one today. I'm not going to fight it today. I'm going to tell you what will help you fight off depression is understanding Jesus wants you to have joy. And you begin to remind yourself. You begin to remind the enemy. You begin to remind people around you, God wants me to have joy. He's pulling for you. You know what joy is? Joy is His nature living inside of you. It's His nature living inside of you. And God's nature is unlimited. And so His joy in you should be unlimited. I'm going to tell you one more thing. And then we're going to close. The lack of joy in your life is not a supply problem. It's a demand problem. Because His joy is limitless. The reason the joy is not there is because we're not accessing it the way we should. Anybody receive that word this morning? Come on, do you receive that word today?